Good morning and welcome. I want to say welcome to those of you joining us on YouTube particularly as we have uh, not because we wanted to or were eager to but have had to uh, not have a public face-to-face uh, -face service today so hope our uh, hope we're finding all of you safe and well uh, on, on, on YouTube. Glad to see you today and thank you for joining us. It is my hope that this can be a blessing to you uh, in many different ways and if at some point you receive that blessing, would you please bless us by hitting the like button on this broadcast. I want to point you towards our website that we try to keep up to date and good information that's available there. Particularly today, you'll need to go there and download your caring and sharing for updates of as many announcements as we have at this point. We really uh, want to also point you to our Facebook page and uh, invite you to be part of the interaction that's taking place there. And then finally, if you're not receiving text notifications from us, if you would send LJC update to 979-217-3300, we would be glad to be sure and uh, let you know when things are going on and when things are changing. Uh, that usually is not more than one or two texts a week, so it's not, we're not trying to fill your, your inbox at all. We want to continue to remember our missionaries broadly and generally, but this month we've been particularly focusing on Shelley Bryant. Uh, she is our missionary in Singapore and does a great work there and continues to do a great work uh, in spite of the, the pandemic that's going on. It's being handled well there, and, and the church there is strengthening even through this difficult time. If you really want to know a little bit more about Shelly, go to www.shellybryant.com. And, and this is a, a site that she uploads her poetry primarily. And uh, you'll be blessed to take a look at some of that. Psalm 46 starts out with the words, God is our help and strength, our refuge and strength, an ever-present help in trouble. There are times in life where we kind of feel threatened and we feel like things are closing in on us. And, and kind of the way that the, the cases have been increasing in COVID and, again, the way that our nation has kind of had some social unrest, we feel things really kind of being threatened at the foundations. But at the end of that psalm, God calls us back. It, it's this moment of great crescendo and then everything almost goes silent. And he says, be still and know. Because there is no pandemic, there is no situation in my personal life or in our, our communities or our nations or in the globe's life in which God has taken off the throne. We come together today as a people of God to praise His name, to hear His word, to lift our prayers to Him. I pray that you'll join us in that, in full and certain expectation that He is God. And he is on the throne. Why don't you come together and join us in song. How I love the great Redeemer Who is doing so much for me With what joy I tell the story Of the love that makes men free Till my earthly life is ended I will say, I will say Songs above, live beside the crystal sea. More and more my soul shall be praising Jesus and his love. He is everything to me, to me. He is everything to me. Everything shall always be. I will never cease to raise a song of life.
friend above and be his forevermore. He is everything to me, to me. He is everything to me, to me. And everything shall always be. I will never cease to raise a song of gladness in his praise. In and in the world above, my soul shall sing of saving love. Life and life and joy is he, the precious, precious friend who died for me. Good morning, church. Let us pray. Our Heavenly Father, our mighty God, we come to you at this time to give you thanks for allowing us to still have this freedom, dear God, to set time aside and to worship your holy name. Even if it's in our homes or wherever we might find ourselves at, dear God. We thank you for your unconditional love and we pray, dear God, that you allow us to receive today's lesson, today's message with open hearts and allow us to carry that 
and spread it to those who surround us, dear Heavenly Father. Help us to be that light, even in this and on these unique times that we find ourselves in. Dear God, we know that in the midst of the storm, you are still in control. Help us to draw from that, dear God. Help us to find strength in you. Help us to dedicate our lives to become better Christians of yours. Help us to live a life according to your word. And we pray all this in the mighty name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. a stirring deep within me could it be my time has come when i see my gracious savior face to face when all is done is that his voice i am hearing come away my precious one is he calling me Hey kids, good to see you again. I don't know about at your house, but at my house, it's raining. I'm getting a little tired of it always being so dark and cloudy and uh, not being able to go outside and play. Playing for me means going out and mowing, but you know that you got the idea. Well, storms come, and right now we're in the middle of a pattern where it just, just seems like one storm after another. I don't know if you've ever been out on a boat when a storm comes. Uh, but it can get kind of rough. Things toss and turn a lot, and uh, we, we don't know exactly, we're, we're never fully in control. Now, these days, you can get on a cruise ship and, or uh, an aircraft carrier, and it almost doesn't matter how big the sea is. The, those boats are so large and have so many ways of kind of keeping it level. But back when, uh, back 100 years ago, 200 years ago, and even back in Jesus' day, when a storm came and you were in a boat, uh, you had to hold on tight. In fact, back a couple of hundred years ago, they would have, have ropes that were on the deck that were tie-down ropes, and, and they would just lash themselves to the boat. They would tie on because the boat was going up and down and pitching back and forth so much that you could get thrown overboard, and that would be a tough thing. 
course, the rope just meant that they had something to pull you back in on. That doesn't sound very pleasant either. But they had a saying, hold fast, hold fast, hold on, don't quit. We'll get the boat to calmer water. We will sail into better things. Hold fast. And it kind of has become this statement of, of hang on, don't, don't give up. And I think it's a, a pretty neat thing. Jesus in John chapter 15 says, I am the vine and you are the branches. And you need to, sometimes it says remain in me, sometimes it says abide in me. But what I want you to know is that mostly what it means is you need to hold on to me. I am the vine and you are the branches. If a man holds on to me and stays in me and I will stay in him, it's that person that will bear much fruit. And in this little passage, bearing fruit is the definition of what people who love Jesus and who obey God are about. They produce fruit in their lives. I see the fruit coming in your lives, and it's, it's really cool to see it. Whenever I get to hang around you and I see you being cooperative with each other, when I see you and I see you being kind to each other, you know, and just when I see you laughing at, at great things, I see fruit taking hold in your lives. Jesus says, hold on to me, never let go, and fruit will come into your life because I'm never going to let go of you. Hold fast. The rain may come. The winds may blow. Hold fast because God is with us and Jesus is in us. My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. I dare not trust the sweetest frame, but wholly trust in Jesus' name. My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. I dare not trust the sweetest frame, but wholly trust in Jesus' name, Christ alone, cornerstone, weak made strong in the Savior's love.
Good morning. I'll be reading from 1 Thessalonians 4, 13 through 18. Brothers, brothers and sisters, we do not want you to be uninformed about those who sleep in death, so that you do not grieve like the rest of mankind who have no hope. For we believe that Jesus died and rose again, and so we believe that God will bring with Jesus those who have fallen asleep with him. According to the Lord's word, we tell you that we who are still alive, who are left under the coming of the Lord, will certainly not precede those who have fallen asleep. For the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a loud command, with the voice of an archangel, and with the trumpet call of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. After that, we who are still alive and are left will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so we will be with the Lord forever. Therefore, encourage one another with these words. We don't want you to be like those with no hope. We uh, got, Paul writes to the folks in Thessalonica. It's one of the earliest letters that we have in the entire New Testament. And Paul reaches out to them because they're asking some questions, some very, very basic questions. This gospel you preach said that Jesus died and rose again and that he's coming back to bring all of us to, to be with him, to be like him. And he hasn't come. And some of us who have responded to the gospel, some of those who have responded to the gospel have even died before he has come back. And their question is, what happens? And Paul simply wants to affirm. And it's not just in this idea of what happens at the resurrection, what happens to those who have fallen asleep in the Lord. This is a question about who we are and what we do in life. He says, don't lose your hope. The hope that Jesus rose from the dead, that that which had died was reanimated and reanimated in a way that would never be corrupted or die again, is what we have to look forward to. Jesus is coming back, and those who have fallen asleep in the Lord will be first. And then, wouldn't it be great if it happened in our lifetime? Then we will join Him. We will join Him in that eternity, in that heaven, and He will make all things new, including our very own bodies. It's going to be an amazing thing. But at, throughout the letter, Paul wants to be sure to help us understand there are you who have hope in Jesus Christ, who have hope in the resurrection, have hope in the power of the cross to make things right with God. But you have hope as opposed to people who don't have hope. People who don't know the resurrection. People who don't believe that Jesus went to the cross and rose from the dead. That Jesus was God's son who came to be among us. And it doesn't show up just in the way that we make a proclamation of we believe Jesus died and rose. It shows up in the way you live. In your identity as a person who wants to follow Christ. Because if we expect to be like him in resurrection, we want to be like him. We want to be like him in the way that we live, in the days that we live, in the way that we conduct ourselves, not just on a day when our lives on this earth end and we fall asleep into that rest. Paul uses that fall asleep word, step into that rest and that peace. That's not the day that we figure out if you've got hope or not. We figure out you've got hope every single moment of every single day. I love the way Deuteronomy says it, when you rise up and when you lie down. So from the beginning of the day to the end of the day, whether you're in the house or out of the house, whether you've got a mask on or don't have a mask on, we discover where your hope is. And if that hope is not just for something that's out there, but that hope is something that makes a difference today. It's a very familiar story. Jesus is encountered by what is described as a rich young man or a rich young ruler. But he's a, he's a good person. He's a person who, who wants to pursue God. He has studied the law. He's a, a good Jewish man. And for most of the people who, who lived in that time and who surrounded Jesus, they thought as this man walked up and said, here's a guy who's got his hope in the right place because God has rewarded him. We can see it in, in the way that he has been blessed physically on this earth. And Jesus says, you really want to put your hope in me? 
you're going to need to let go of the things that probably your hope is most placed in. Your hope is in your stuff. Your hope is in that fact that the bank account looks really good. Your hope is in the idea that the house is all set up and there's fields and there's profit coming in. Your hope is in those things. Instead, Jesus said, God really needs you to let those things go so that you can come and step into a life of obedience, a life of faith, but ultimately a life that isn't about hope in the things of this world, but is about hope in the things that are of God. Go sell it all and give it to the poor. Use it for what God has given it to you for in the first place. And come follow me. It seems to be this moment in the, in the text where the rich man is said to have walked away sad because he, he and, and again it says he had much wealth. But in reality what it means is he had much faith in his wealth. He had much hope in his wealth. His life was defined by his wealth, not by his relationship to God. And what he knew was coming in God's present, in God's near future, and God's eternal future. He had instead much wealth. But you know, even though that day he turned around, I have a feeling there was a, another day where those words rang in his head again and said, i got to hold on to something better. We never know. The text doesn't tell us whether he ever turns around and comes back. Maybe he's one of those 5,000. Maybe he's one of those 3,000. 5,000 on the hill that hear that lesson and are part of what takes place when Jesus feeds them. But maybe he's also part of that 3,000 who are cut to the heart and say, You know what? If Jesus can rise from the dead, none of this money makes any difference at all and lets it go and is baptized that day and becomes one that's counted. I love the way the scene from the movie The Resurrection of Gavin Stone portrays this. Gavin Stone is, a, is kind of a recovering derelict. Too much alcohol, too much drugs, too much money, too much of all the wrong things, and then he's called to play this part. And, and he's playing the part of Jesus in the, in the play that they're doing for resurrection season. Gavin Stone comes into this scene recognizing that while he's portraying Jesus, his life is the life of the rich young man. And they're all following the script. Well, you know the law. And, and he says, yes, and I've kept it. And he says, well, then go and sell all you have. Go and give it all away and come follow me. And the rich young man says, I, I can't do it. He's on script. And he starts to turn. And Gavin reaches out and touches him. He says, no, wait. You have no idea what you're missing. You can't know the joy and the good and ultimately the, the true wealth of God that can be yours if you let go of the stuff of this life and you put your hope in God. We see this one moment in his lifetime, but in reality, and to a certain extent, we sort of make it about one moment in our lifetime. Am I making a decision for God? No, I'm not making I'm, I'm giving, I'm tithing the way I should, I'm, I'm being generous to the poor, I, I give my money to great organizations and things akin to that. I'm not relying on my money, but in reality, that decision is made every single day. The same way that this young man walked away disappointed, and that's the end of his story as far as we read it there, he had many opportunities to turn and to say, no, I don't want it. And we have many opportunities that God opens a door for and say, I want to be a people of hope. But Satan is always pulling. Satan is always saying, can you really count on God? Is there really anything that's worth giving up all the wonders of this life? The same way that he takes Jesus up to the high hill and shows him, not just all the nations and all their political flowers, but he, it shows, Matthew says, it shows him the splendor of all the nations. Look at all that can be yours and I'll give it to you. And if you'll just fall down and worship me, if you'll take your hope, your faith, your trust, your obedience and push it away from God and towards me because in the world that Satan wants to generate there is only momentary 
fleeting, what we might call pleasure. But with the Lord, there is eternal hope. There is eternal reward. There is eternity in the presence of God. And that is what he calls us to. You see, it wasn't when Judas took the 20 pieces of silver that all hope was gone. In fact, one could make the argument that Judas was hopeful that getting Jesus and the Jewish leaders together would lead to kind of, they can work their differences out. and Maybe something good will come of this. And besides, I'll get 20 pieces of silver out of the deal. I don't even know that all hope was gone when he kissed Jesus in the garden. And they took him away in chains. No, hope wasn't really gone because the story that is juxtaposed to Judas's story is the Peter story. And the Peter story is about not just denying Jesus once or twice, but three times and emphatically. And yet Peter is able to be restored. It is Judas who chooses and says, there's no hope for me. There's no hope of restoration. And he chooses to end his life. And I realize that there is no text for this necessarily. But I say to you, the way that the Judas story is told and the way that the Peter story is told is to show us that Judas is the one who gave up on God, not God giving up on Judas. I don't ever want to stand in judgment when I hear about a suicide. We do not know what's going on inside a person's mind. We can't make, make a decision from our perspective outside of their own mind and their own skin and their own flesh. I would never proclaim a word of condemnation on them, but I would say to anyone who's listening, if your life ever takes you to that point where you say, is it worth going on? God says yes. You have no idea what's over the next hill. You have no idea what's around the next corner. And you may say, the only thing that can be around the next corner is worse. God says, no, it doesn't. And ultimately, I can redeem you from anything, and I can redeem anything to my service and to the blessing not only of yourself but of others. Don't give up on God. Don't be one who has no hope. But again, I want to say, the process of holding on to hope, the process of being a people who say, I'm not going to quit on God, is not simply a process that we make when we step into the baptistry and say, no, God, you've got it all. It's not just a process that we, that we go through and it's not just a decision we make when we get our first paycheck and we decide, am I going to give a little of that to God or am I going to get a lot to that to God? It isn't a process that we make when we set up our retirement system when we say, I am completely set. Nothing can ever happen to me because of my 401k or the lack thereof. But we are people who every single day make decisions that point towards a living hope in what Jesus was and is and that that makes a difference in every single day of our life. And in the same way, the absence of hope defines our actions every single day as well. Matthew chapter 25 is a section of scripture where Jesus, Matthew is collecting some sayings and putting them right here at the end. It's the last of the long sermons that Matthew puts together. All of chapter 25 is a series of parables that point towards warning people. Don't let go of your hope. Don't let go of your hope today because of what God has coming in the future. I want to go to the last of those probably the most familiar of the parables from this section. I'll only read half because the parable basically becomes a mirror, the positive and the negative, the hope and the no hope. Read with me. When the Son of Man comes in His glory and all the angels with Him, He will sit on His throne in heavenly glory and all the nations will be gathered before Him and He will separate the people one from another as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. He will put the sheep on His right and the goats on His left. And then the King will say to those on His right, Come, you who are blessed by my Father, take your inheritance. 
The kingdom prepared for you since the creation of the world. Isn't that amazing to think about the fact that when God was creating, he was getting ready for what was going to happen at the end. Which has been prepared for you since the creation of the world. And then these words. For I was hungry and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger and invited me in. I want you to hear how the words intensify as they move forward. It's not just a comparison. And one of the things that makes it very much like a parable, it isn't that these are some sort of check boxes that we need to be sure and check, but instead it's a description of an intensification of relationship. Things get closer, it costs us more, it makes us be involved a little bit more. So again, I was hungry and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger and you invited me in. I needed clothes and you clothed me. I was sick and you looked after me. I was in prison and you came to visit me. And then this question, we like this question. Then the righteous will answer him, Lord, when, we'd, when did we see you hungry and feed you, or thirsty and give you something to drink. And again, here's the idea that my hope is somehow summed up in a moment. Ah, oh, I'll come to the moment and I'll make the right decision and everything will be done and everything will be right. Like that rich young man who had that moment and yes, failed in that moment. But is that the end of his story really? Does it have to be the end of our story really? When did we see you? When did we see you and give you something to drink? The king will reply, I tell you the truth. Whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you did for me. You did it for me. To one of the least of these. You know, we sometimes plan for those big moments in life. The big question will come, and will I, will I come through in that moment? Will the, will the thunder and the, light, thunder stri- the lightning strike and the thunder break the sound of the silence of the sky? And we, and we say, yes, God, I make a decision for you. And yet maybe the definition of our hope or our lack of the kind of hope that God wants us to have is made in the little individual daily Routine-like decisions of how we treat, not the people that come up and we say, ah, there's somebody that's important, but instead it's the people that maybe are on the margins that we're not always noticing to one of the least of these. You see, the way we live every single day either affirms or denies the hope that we have in Jesus. Did Jesus go to the cross? And the answer is yes. But maybe even a more resounding yes need to be, did Jesus rise from the grave? And if Jesus rose from the grave, then the call to live a life that is consistent, not with the things of this world, but consistent with the things of an empty tomb, become a way to live on a day-by-day basis. Whatever your role in life is, whether you're a business person, whether you're an employee, whether you're a process tech, whether you're a student, whether you're one of those wonderful moms who chooses to stay home and invest so much in raising her children, whatever it is, or maybe you're one of those people who's kind of waiting for what's next, whatever's going on in your life, you have the opportunity to respond to the world around you with a hopeful attitude. What does my care for the least of these say about my living hope? Are they worth my time? And Jesus would say the answer is yes. Is it worth me investing something in them if it it depletes a little bit of my bank account? Or more than that, depletes a little bit of my time account? How do I live in such a way to say that, you know what, I'm not holding on to the things of this world. Instead of being like the rich young man who walks away sad and says, you know, I'm just not sure that it's worth what Jesus is saying it's going to cost. We get to say no. I see it through the lenses of an empty tomb. 
I see it through the lens that God is going to come back and be the ultimate victor and bring it all in line with everything he's always wanted. And I want to live that way today. And maybe, just maybe, maybe, just maybe, you have the opportunity to plant a seed in someone whose life is empty of hope. And because of your small action, not that it is the ultimate action that changes everything that ever happens to them again, but it's a seed says, no, the difficulty, the struggle doesn't have to be the last word in your life. Maybe number two, all the successes in this world don't add up to the hope of the next. What does my care for the least of these say about my living hope? But I think Jesus has a deeper meaning, and Matthew wants to be sure and try and convey that to us. What am I willing to do to reach the gospel of living hope? Because when you look at those those things, I was hungry and you gave me food. I was thirsty and you gave me drink. I was sick. I needed clothes. I was in prison and you came to see me. These are all scenarios that the disciples, those who would go out and preach the gospel, will wind up in. Jesus tell them, don't don't take a bunch of food with you. You're going to be dependent on the people out there. You may show up in town and be need a place to stay and will people open the door and let you in will people care for you when you're a long ways from home and you've you've been you've been using all your energy to preach the gospel and 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 you need someone to take care of you for a little while and probably most poignant the reality that those who would proclaim the gospel would be imprisoned by the roman government and you either say The gospel is so important to me that I'm willing to go and see somebody in jail. And they're in jail because they've been proclaiming the gospel. And you become guilty by association. What am I willing to do to reach the gospel of living hope? Jesus offers freely to all of us A life that moves from death to really living. From sin to absolute forgiveness. From a life without hope to a life that is full of hope. Because of who he is and what he's done. What are you willing to do? Not just in one moment, like I said, in a baptistry. Or when the preacher calls everybody to come down forward and repent. But what are you willing to do on a daily basis to pursue the gospel? I want you to get your elements of the Lord's Supper ready. We're about to partake of the Lord's Supper. And we want you to all join us at the same time together. Even though we're a long ways apart, we want to be together. And, and, And it becomes this routine week in, week out. But I invite you today to think about I want the bread because it represents the hope that I have in Christ. I want the cup because it represents the forgiveness and the new life that I have in Him. I want it. I'm not going to let anything keep me from reaching out and taking it. And what he says is those who take Him in, they're part of Him and He is part of them. On bended knee I come with a humble heart I come bowing down before your holy throne lifting holy hands to you as I pledge my love 
Dear Father, we're so grateful for the gift of eternal life that you have offered each one of us. And, and we're mindful of the, of the price, the very high price for this. The death of your son. Lord, be with us now as we take of this unleavened bread in remembrance of, of his body that was made flesh to live a sinless uh, life so that he could be a, a sacrifice that was sufficient to, to forgive us, wash us clean so that we could spend eternity with you. In Christ's name we pray, amen. I am the vine, and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. You're already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Remain in me as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain on the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I'm the vine, you are the branches. And if you remain in me and I in you, you'll bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. Lord, we thank you for giving us your son to pay that final price, the, the one that, that was powerful enough for us to defeat sin and, and to defeat death. And be with us now as we take of the fruit of the vine in remembrance of his blood that was spilled to, to wash away our sins. In Christ's name we pray, amen. We have some prayer requests that we want to make sure we take note of and, and uh, want to invite you to, to maybe make some notes as we do this. Uh, Nicole Osborne let us know late this week that her stepfather, Jim, uh, is in the hospital with a brain bleed. We don't have any update on this yet, but let's remember Jim in our prayers. Rudy Hardigy late Friday let us know that he had a hand injury which he had surgery on either late Friday or early Saturday but he is back as you saw the, the prayer was filmed after that and he expects to have a full recovery we're really thankful for that Mary Lou Leon's brother who have we reported had the rattlesnake bite is doing much better is home now and seems to that again he'll make a full recovery we want to continue to remember Cindy Yates's uncle Sonny Girdley and his wife Joy, both of whom have been struggling with uh, health concerns, but again, both improving. We also got an update from Rhett Pier on Rhett Pierce, Ashley, Ashley Nesbitt's nephew up in Oklahoma. Still very small, still has a lot of tubes in him, but he's improving, he's getting stronger, he's breathing more on his own all the time. We want to uh, express our condolences to Vic Leon's family at the loss of his sister last week. And also, Ozzie Garcia's family, Irma Olegay, passed away last Tuesday. And Ozzie was able to be with them, and he's back again. We're thankful that he's back home. Lindsay Phillips let us know late in the week, Lindsay down in Brazil, that her home church has just started kind of meeting together. Uh, they are only allowing 30 people to meet at a time, all very separated, all masked up completely. They, she said the first weekend they had 12 services to get services with 30 people at a time. 
She also wanted us to know that some, some very positive things are help happening on the, the process of the renovation to Hope House, and she really specifically asked us to be in prayer about that. We want to continue to remember Shelly Bryant, our mission emphasis for June. This will be the last time that we really push and talk about her, and so keep her in your prayers. And I think it's important that we also mention that we continue to remember our uh, the global leaders, our national leaders, our state and local leaders. And I want to specifically ask, I did this in the update, I want to ask that you pray for our elders who are uh, working very hard to discern well, to do what's best, uh, particularly in the life of the faith and the congregational life of this church, but also to be good citizens at this difficult time. So keep them in your prayers as well. I love those words from John chapter 15. I'm the vine, you're the branches. You know, so often we come to our relationship with God thinking, okay, I'm going to put my fruits all together and I'm going to show them and he's going to accept me. There are very few tools that Satan uses more effectively than the idea, well, you better get your stuff together and show it off to God and it better be clean enough and shiny enough and pretty enough for God to take it. God says no. I've made you, that word, I've made you clean already that Mike read just a minute ago is the idea that I've already pruned. If you've, if you've accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior, I've already pruned and you're clean. You're ready to produce fruit. All you need do is hold on to the vine. I'm not sure that hope is defined any more basically and practically than the idea that I'm not going to let go of God. And maybe you haven't started that relationship. Maybe you've kind of toyed with the idea of God and Jesus and those kind of things. And maybe you say, no, no, no. I want to make that an official relationship. I really want to tie in. I want to be one of those vines that's tied into the branches. And that's what the waters of baptism are about. But we also have the reality in our lives that Satan kind of makes us move and pray. We get in those storms and the boat tosses and we're like, how are we going to do it? And Jesus says at the most basic level, it's not that you're getting it all right. It's not that you're always saying the right words. It's that you never let go. That you always hold on. And you always look for the next opportunity where his fruit, not your fruit, his fruit is poured into you and it gets to go out to if you are somebody who needs to respond to the invitation, uh, if you're a part of our church family, you have the numbers of one or more of our elders, and I would encourage you to text or call them at this time. But if you're one of those folks who's not part of our church family, we invite you to make your requests known. Whether they're special prayer requests or whether they're spiritual requests, make those known at that number there that's on the screen, 979-217-3300. Please understand that those will remain private, or at least as private as you want them to be. We're going to sing a song. This may be an opportunity that you want to just kind of be silent and maybe even kneel and pray and say, God, I never want to let go of you. Or maybe it's a time that you actually want to pick up that phone and start texting, communicate with somebody. Maybe even that text is one that's not that's intended for you to request help, but that you know that you need to help someone else. The fruit of God has flowed into you and you want to let it go out to the people that the Spirit is calling you to. During this song, let's take the time to do that. As we stand or kneel and sing. Jesus is tenderly calling me home, calling today, calling today, far from the sunshine above the bell Farther and farther
Again, we want to thank everyone for joining us today online. We're glad that you're with us, and if you're listening to the recorded version of this, we're also glad you're with us. We're thankful for the words that Alan brought us today from God's Word, and how good they are as a reminder for us to remember that we're people that do have hope. And part of our job is to look out for those who don't have hope and maybe provide the hope that Jesus gives to us. We also want to continue to thank those who are giving in our online, and we'd ask that you'd please continue to do that. That allows us our ministries to continue, um, and it's wonderful to see how that's going. Thank you again. As a reminder, those of you who, who don't have access to the Right Now Media today, it's available, and you can use that for your personal Bible study or for study at home with your family. If you don't currently have access to that, you can call the church office. It's free. We can get you the, the password and the codes to be able to get into there and, and find any of the information that you would find beneficial for your study or your family's study. Beautiful words in the Bible, and there's a lot of them. Um, I was looking for a scripture to read to go with what Alan had talked about this morning about hope and how wonderful it is that we have that hope. And the first thing that popped in my mind was a scripture that everybody knows very well, but I'd like to go ahead and read it. Psalms 23. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures and leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. And even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For you are with me, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies and anoint my head with oil and my cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Let's pray together. Father, the words of that psalm ring in our ears and we see the hope that's there. We see the dependence on you and, and we have that faith. And we'd ask that you'd continue to help us daily to look back and, and think of that hope that's provided. Think of that life that was given on the cross out of love, knowing that it gives us hope with the knowledge that we're yours. And Father, we'd ask that you'd help us in our day-to-day -day lives to reach out to others and, and to show that hope that's there. To give that, that knowledge that everything's going to be okay. And that you're taking care of us regardless of what turns out on the earth here. Father, continue to help us to be part of that people of hope, as Alan said today. And Father, we'd ask that you'd, you'd guide us through the week. You'd help us to show joy to those around us. And even with a mask on, you can show joy with your eyes. You can show it with laughter. Father, thank you for giving us those emotions and help us to to provide that hope to others around us. Father, we want to lift up those who were mentioned this morning that Alan had just talked about, for those that are in our minds and in our prayers. Father, for Nicole Osborne's stepfather, Jim, for Rudy, for Ralph, for Sonny, for Joy, for Rhett, for, the, for Vic Leon's family and, and the loss there and also for Ozzy's aunt and the loss there please be with those families father and give them give them hope and give them comfort with a difficult time like this continue to be with Lindsay and Hope House and help that to grow be with Shelly father as she's diligently working in the fields father be with our leaders in our nation we'd ask that you'd help them to make the right decisions to keep as many people safe as possible and to help our country to remain strong. Father, also for the leaders of our church, please continue to guide them in what they do as we're striving to follow you in the ways that you give them. Bless us, Father, through the name of Jesus that we pray. Just like to end with the Lord bless you and keep you, and may he give you peace.